Hey friends, it's Eric here. Thanks for listening to the Building Us podcast. Hey, I want to invite you to follow me on my new show, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School, where I take a deeper dive into money and financial topics. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School. I hope to see you there. Several years ago, I had a conversation with my oldest daughter, and her question was, well, why don't you go out and buy a Mercedes or a BMW? We could afford it. And the response was, well, yes, I could. However, if I did that, we couldn't afford to do all the other things. Well, we could afford to, but we would have to make cuts elsewhere. Well, if I were to go out there and purchase that, that large purchase, that Mercedes or that BMW, I no longer have the means to be able to put money aside and save for the future be able to give to them. I want my children to be in a better position than what I'm in today. Welcome back to the Building Us podcast. Money edition, I would say. We're kind of in the middle of a money segment. This is Dr. Matt Morris, couples counselor and family therapist, joined as always by my friend and, and amazing colleague, Eric Garcia, financial planner, certified. I use Steam for you and you use just amazing. That's it. I, I mean, you already used Steam, number one. And number two, you're you're slightly lower than esteemed. I was trying to find a word that's up there, but not, not too right high. Okay. <laughs> we were just talking off air about ribbing. And until I heard that you're, you're, you're going to talk some, some mess today. Uh, but we we're this episode we're um, we're we're talking about best financial advice. Just make a comment about uh, our last episode or our previous episode on worst financial advice. So if if you haven't heard that, go back and listen to it. Um, we all received some bad financial advice. I'm sure you did as well. So you can you can relate. Um, Eric, today we're also joined by a, a friend and colleague. Xavier Angel, Xavier, welcome. Um, Eric got amazing. I'm, I'm not amazing. You, you are angelic. <laughs> you're angelic, my man, and oh, and uh, you're you're also in the financial services industry. Um, I don't exactly Correct. know. Yeah, financial advisor, right? Correct. Yes. You give good advice all the time. I imagine. I I, I do give good advice. Um, you know, and I guess that leads us into you know the, the topic of conversation today. Um, what's the best advice uh, that that we've ever been given? Um, you guys want me to start it off today? Man, he's he's taking over the show. He's taking Hold over. On. I mean, he's we we, we ask you on to be like a, a guest for one show, and then this show you're like taking over. I, Eric, I could never take over. You're you're amazing, and oh and Matt esteem? is uh, esteem. Man, I'm angelic. Sure, it's this, y'all. Welcome back to the Building Us podcast. We want to introduce you to our new host, Xavier Angel. <laughs> Xavier, lead us off, my friend. Take it away. So the 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 best advice um, that I've ever been given is uh, savings. Uh, begin saving. Don't spend more than you have, and and build generational wealth. Um, you know, I, I I've had that conversation a lot over the last uh, several weeks. What is generational wealth? Let me just stop and just say, this is a big one right off the top. I mean, you're not talking about like 
put $2 in your sock drawer. You're talking about generational wealth. Correct. Go Uh, ahead. Okay. Okay. All right. So general, again, generational wealth, you know, I, people ask me all the time, how much should I be saving? Uh, what is generation generational wealth? And and when I look at it, it it's more. I'll give you an example. I, I'm meeting with a with a, a couple. Uh, they're in their late seventies. I think seventy six and seventy four um, uh, is their ages. And we're sitting there looking at it, and they're able to do what they want to do in retirement time. They want to travel. They have that opportunity to travel. They want to take their grandkids places. They have the opportunity. Um, they're they're not they're not financially strapped by social security check and, and pension checks. They have that wealth there. Um, and 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 I told them in our conversation, you know, you are a role model for what we should be doing. You know, here you are, two teachers. Um, that worked their entire life, but never spent more than what they were making. They were saving. You know, mm-hmm. their goal was to put ten to twelve percent of what they made away into a savings account, and now they can look back on it and see the fruits of their labor over over the last forty to fifty years on what they were doing. So, um, that is the best advice that I've had: is is make sure that you're saving and, and spend within your within your means. So, was this was this specific advice from? one person or is this just like an accumulation of, of pieces of advice from like multiple people this was um, this was this was a specific advice that they were given uh, when they were working in the Orleans Parish School Board or school system um, you know they had a friend who was an advisor um, and that friend came in to them and and told them you know don't spend everything you don't need the biggest house you don't need the biggest car um, put away for later down the, down the road. Um, you know, and a piece that, that, that stuck out to me was they had a specific account that they had set up that they were putting monies in for when, when they were taking their children on vacation. So they would take money and they would put it into this account and they were saving for their, their summer vacations. They've got three boys and they were able to take use that money to be able to take those boys on vacation on, a, on an annual basis. They also had the account where they were saving for retirement and saving for that rainy day fund, as, as, as you hear often. But that account was if they needed money for anything, they had it available. Yeah. Rainy day funds important here in New Orleans because we have some rainy days, and that usually yes. is used to replace a drywall. Rainy huh. day fund is is now the soggy drywall fund. I call it the uh, oh crap account. Like so, oh crap, Angel. You're, I'm, I'm sorry, Xavier. You're talking about uh, generational wealth, though, which means that this this money that they're saving extends beyond their generation. Correct. Um, yeah. So those, those are those are, are monies or assets that that they're accumulating. They have access to it if they need it in retirement time. But this is also wealth that's going to be left behind for children, or grandchildren, or great grandchildren. So it, it's wealth that's going to be passed down from generation to generation. Hey, I have y- a couple of thoughts know. on on this. I have a couple of thoughts on this. Sorry, Eric. Well, let, me say this. let me say this before your day. thoughts. Let me say this before your thoughts. Yeah. Let me let me have a let me have an opportunity here to to share, Matt. 
because I'm amazing and I have amazing words to share. So y'all know I'm a little bit of a Proverbs junkie. Um, and Xavier, when you said this idea about generational wealth, there's a proverb um, that says a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. So when you said build generational wealth, I immediately thought, huh, that's that's proverbial wisdom to a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. So you're a good person, Xavier. Just wanted to validate you. You might not be amazing, but you're a good person. Good person. Matt, well, thank your thoughts? You, you're welcome. Yeah, same thing. I, I'm aware of this proverb that you're quoting. And it, it really is this idea that your wealth is not just for you, nor is it just for your children, but it's, it's, it's even thinking beyond you to your grandchildren, I think is a, a fascinating idea. And um, not everybody in this country has had equal access to wealth, and so it's not been easy to pass on money multi-generationally like, like what we're talking about today, and I think that needs to be acknowledged. Um, but the, the second thought that I have is that, uh, can Eric, Xavier, can you remember, do you know your great-grandfather's name? Yes. Do you, how about your great-great-grandfather's name? No. So no, not my great-great. I know my great. Yeah, so most of us are forgotten in three to four generations. That's so most of our, our most of our lives will be snuffed out. You know, our, our legacy will be snuffed out in three or four generations. Like people won't even know our name. And one way to try to deal with that or counteract that is to leave money generationally. Is to give money to your children's children and per perhaps even your grandchildren's children. Um, and that's a that's a way to actually leave a lasting legacy beyond yourself. So you have the opportunity to spend your money on you and that car that you want or that, you know, that whatever that thing is you want, but you can also leave it as Xavier, you're talking about generationally. And I think that is just fascinating. You know, it's interesting it, it, to me, you know, when I meet with clients who are receiving an inheritance, uh, initially my, my thought is like big inheritance, but like Right, Xavier's talking about generating, like leaving masses of, of, of wealth to, to the generations before you. But it's amazing to me where I meet with people and they're getting an inheritance, and even a small inheritance is incredibly meaningful, um, especially if it's like, man, like, wow, they they lived, they were so frugal, and I didn't, I had no idea they had, you know, a fifty thousand dollar savings account. I, Matt, I remember um, there was this lady. I knew you may have known her. She was a missionary to an African country. She ran a school in this this Western African country. And when she passed away, like she had masses and masses of money just accumulated. But she lived such a frugal life, you would have never known it. And she saved. And I think she may have inherited some money. And then she left this money to um, her church, and I think to other ministries that were, were doing her work. And I, I was sitting here thinking like, wow, what a, Matt, you're talking about legacy. Like what a, and here we are remembering her on this podcast. So, yeah. so her memory continues to live on um, because there is some frugality in this idea of leaving something behind for somebody else. Yeah. Her financial plan 
always extended her extended beyond her lifespan. She knew that. She knew that her work today, I think she worked kind of as a nurse in a in a foreign country. She didn't earn very much money, but she didn't spend very much money and that that's because her financial plan always included trying to leave money for other generations and and uh, I think that's interesting. Xavier, you were going to add right. something. Right, and you know, you mentioned it on on uh, on the last podcast. Um, you know, if you receive if you receive five dollars, don't spend the entire five dollars. You know, spend spend three dollars and and save two dollars. You know, um, that pair of Jabot jeans. You know, don't go out there and <laughs> spend more than what you have on a pair of Jabot jeans. Um, and and that's what it comes down to. It's living within those moves. Xavier, I'm curious. Like when you're when you're legacy. when you're presented with something to buy. Let's say like you're you're, you're looking to buy a car, right? You can buy a mm-hmm. a BMW. I know you drive a Honda Accord, right? Do you, do you often think like I can Correct. go afford a more expensive car, but I'm going to choose this one because I want to leave money. I want I want to be in a position to be able to leave money to my kids. It, and that's that's exactly my thought. Um, you know, I, I, several years ago, I had a conversation with my oldest daughter, um, and her question was, well, why don't you go out and buy a Mercedes or a BMW? We could afford it. And the conversation was, or the response was, well, yes, I could. However, if I did that, we couldn't afford to do all the other things or we could afford to, but we would have to make cuts elsewhere. You know, all three of my kids are in Catholic schools. Um, we, we try to take that vacation once a year. Well, if I were to go out there and, 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 and purchase that, that large purchase, that Mercedes or that BMW, I no longer have the means to be able to put money aside and save for the future, to be able to give to them. I want my children to be in a better position than what I'm in today. And, and that's why we have to make sure we're saving and we don't buy those big purchases. Man, this, this just absolutely... When you start thinking about financial planning for future generations, that just absolutely changes. It's got to change someone's approach in terms of how they're spending today, right? Because you, you're thinking like, you're thinking 40, 50, 60 years out. Like at 41, thinking, man, if my financial plan includes generational wealth, I'm planning, you know, let's let's assume I live to, you know, another 40 years, I'm planning 40 years beyond man mm-hmm. that changes that changes yeah, things today. exactly yeah for sure i think um okay uh, one of the one of the things that uh is some of the best advice i've been given that dovetails in with what we're talking about is number one eric you talk about this all the time know where your money's going track your expenses that's what i would say track your expenses and then number two have that like once you understand how you spend money, have that be the basis for a, a spending plan for a budget where you're kind of on paper spending your money before you actually spend it. <clears throat> if you're doing that, that will, and, and part of your spending plan involves putting money away for a future generation, that affects your spending habits today. So instead of buying the BMW, you're buying the the, the the car that's really nice, but maybe is $20,000 less so that you can take that $20,000 and put it somewhere else in your spending plan. Maybe your generational wealth column. Yeah. 
Matt, did I did I hear you just say that I was the one who gave you the best advice you've ever been given in your entire life? Is that what I just heard? <laughs> you 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 give me lots of great advice, Eric. You give lots of great advice. I think uh, I feel like yeah, I feel like you just the said the best that. I've ever been given in my whole life seems a little bit of a stretch, but um track your know where your money's going or track your expenses. See how you're spending your money. May that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And and so Eric, now you know why you got that tag as being amazing. Oh, amazing. 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 It's amazing yeah. advice. But you I mean you you stole the show, dude, with your your generational wealth, man. So you should have gotten phenomenal or something. But it it it, it all ties into uh, your pillars of financial success. You know, I mean, it, it, it all fits, it all fits together. So you're still amazing though. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. So in the previous episode, the worst advice I shared was given to me by someone in the, someone in the industry, right? If you remember, it was buy a big house, buy an expensive car, get yourself into debt. It'll motivate you to work hard and ultimately be successful. At the same time, there was this one guy in the industry and, um, I forget his name, but I had some interactions with him. And this was his advice to me. He said, Eric, look, you want to save 25% of your income, give 25% of your income, and live on 50% of your income. And at the time, I'm like, this guy's crazy. Like, I'm like making next to nothing. We're living off my wife's stipend at her graduate program at LSU. And this guy wants me to give 25%, save 25%, and live on 50%. I didn't do it. But what that did was it kind of put this almost um, this goal or this 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 vision, right? Like something to work towards. Like, man, if I could find a way to live on fifty percent of my income, and if I hit if I hit sixty percent, that's awesome. If I hit seventy percent, that's still awesome. But it, what he did was he Xavier and I, and I imagine if you're going to leave generational wealth, you need to be saving quite a bit of money 10, 15, 20, 25 percent of your income. You need to learn to live below your means. And that's basically what he was saying is, hey, look, his, his plan was probably unrealistic for me at that time. But the principles that it instilled in me was save as much as I can, give as much as I can, and I got to be able to spend as little as possible because I got to live on, 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 um, on 50% of my income. And today that still resonates with me. I still, and that, Matt, that ties into but my dad always said, you know, if you make five, spend three, save two. It's the same idea. Um, and it's probably, if I want to pass on generational wealth, Xavier, I probably have to do something similar, mm-hmm. save a lot. Certainly I have to be some form of, of unselfish in terms of, I don't want to spend it all on myself and I'm willing to give it to somebody else, children or charity or something. Mm-hmm like in the story that Matt and I shared. And, and you know, Eric, I, I, I think that goes to, because how much you save is going to depend on the individual. Not everyone is going to be able to save 25% and give 25% and live off of 50%. But I, I think putting together that strategy or building a plan with, with leaving something behind is what really, that's where you start. Because you can always, and, and you know, that, I, I'm sure both of you agree with this. You know, you're going to come back and, and and revisit that. You know, as your family grows, you know, uh, 
um, as you have children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, everything is going to change on an annual basis because life happens. So, but I think we have to start somewhere and, and that still resonates with you on those numbers. And, and I'm sure you didn't start there, but you're gradually working to get to that point. And that, and because of that, you'll be able to leave something behind. Yeah. Gradually working for the, for the record, for the record, I have not yet arrived to those numbers, although I would love to have those numbers. I, I learned early on to be a spender. And so spending is not a problem for me. It's, it, it's, and, and I think of savings as spending. I'm just putting money in an account. But what really helped me was planning it all, just sitting down and planning it all, making it, making some decisions about this is where I want the money to go. And, uh, um, you know, in, in my life, I've been able to make more money at various points in my life. And so that frees up some money, but I, I can spend every dollar I make without any problem. I can sometimes spend it twice before I make it. And so it's really important for me to have a plan about spending it um, before it's actually spent so that it goes where I want. So if I want generational wealth, which is really far off in the distance and has nothing to do with immediate gratification or my needs today, it really takes a lot of planning on, for me to get that done. I need to, I need to plan or it's not going to happen. Man, so I'm curious, you talk about, you talk about how easy it is for you to, to, to spend when you're spending Like, is there any moment where are you like, are you thinking like, Oh, I can't do this. Or do you think about it after the fact? And I'm sure you've, you've obviously developed, um, you know, some, some, some structure and some discipline in that obviously, but I'm curious, was it something yeah. where you thought about or you just didn't think about it until after it was too late? Yeah, so, so earlier on in my life, I would just say I didn't think too much about it. As long as I had the money to spend, I, I spent it or could spend it. Um, once I developed, you know, more, a, a, a greater appetite for savings and a greater ability to save, um, planning became important. Um, I recognize now, though, that if I spend money on something, if I say yes to something, I'm saying no to something else. That dollar can't go in two places. And so if I if I want the dollar to go to, um, you know, a pair of shoes now or I'm, it's not going somewhere else. If I have a plan that includes shoes and savings and retirement, then then it's easier to spend that money because it's allocated mm. already. It's already planned out. But when I'm spending off the plan, like let's say that I'm going to take us all out to a blowout New Orleans dinner tonight, you know, and it's going to cost 500 bucks, then I know that that money, um, I, I, would, I would be thinking this money could go somewhere else. This could be invested for a kid's college. This no, we, we be, advocate investing uh, in your you relationships. Know. That would be a good use of $500 to take <laughs> Xavier and I out. Where would you take us? For a, a nice, oh man, a uh, uh, cup, you know, Crescent City Steaks or uh, Pascal Manali's down the street. I think I'm free tonight. Xavier, how about you? I'm going to take you up on that. <laughs> I'm, for, I'm free tonight. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you talk Let, about... There, there are, but there are un, uh, un, there are innumerable ways to spend dinner money in New Orleans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have, we have unlimited yeah, it's options. It's funny that you, you kind of grew up, as you've explained, kind of to spend, just spend, right? Not even thinking about it. I grew up completely different. So I'm first generation American. Both of my parents came to America from Cuba and I kind of grew up 
in more of in, in a scarcity environment. Like we heard often, we can't afford that. We can't afford that. If we if we buy that, you know, there's no way we can afford that. I remember like looking at as a kid Sears catalogs. You remember that? We opened the show talking about ribbing and Xavier, yeah. you know, off off air said I'm showing my age and now I'm talking about looking at Sears toys catalogs. Like I wanted I wanted those little those little rock polishing things, right? Remember you put some rocks in there and it polishes them. I wanted the yeah, the rock, rock tumbler. tumbler. I wanted a drum set. I wanted an electric car. And it was always met with, we just can't afford that. So like my my first instinct isn't necessarily to spend, it's to save. I got I gotta save this because we I can't afford that. And that's something that I've kind of had to yeah. to kind of revisit. Like well, I can afford some things. I don't have to deny myself of everything. A plan, so a spending plan also helps you to know that I can spend money. I can yeah, what, what helps, I do have what helps me, money. similar to what you said, is, hey, here, here are the big important things that I need to spend money on, right? Here's my house. I got I to gotta live somewhere. I got to save for retirement. I got to plan. If something were to happen to me, like I didn't make it home tonight, I got to plan for that for, for my family. So here are the big things that I need to plan for. And then here's everything left over that, Hey, if I want an electric car, not like a Tesla, I'm talking about like a plastic electric car from Walmart. Like a remote yeah, yeah, control I'll go car. buy it, right? But yeah. I've taken care of these other big important things first. Yeah, and that that's what I've had to uh, that's what I've had to learn. So there, there's there's a couple things that both of you um, have been mentioning. Um, planning, um, planning is one. Um, the second one that Eric just mentioned was, you know, you're not you're not cutting back on your lifestyle. You know, you're still enjoying life and doing the things that you want to do. However, you know those limits so that you can still take care of those important things of, of savings. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the things that hopefully um, our listeners take from this episode is planning. You have to plan. You know, if you don't plan. And next month when the AC goes out or the car breaks down or you need a, a transmission, without having that plan and doing the things that need to be in place, where do you get those monies to, 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 to take care of those issues? Um, you start dipping in to pots that you really shouldn't be dipping into. Um, so, I, I, you know, hopefully they're, they're taking that from this is, is that whole phrase planning. Um, it, it's, you know. So that, that's that's what I want them to, to take from this. One of the things that I want them to take from this is, is build a plan, create a strategy. I, so I have another piece of advice I'd like to share. It's, it's different, but it's related. And that was that uh, you have to spend money to maintain the things that you buy. So if you, if you buy a vehicle, if you, if you buy something of, val- of real value, your house, your car, you have to actually spend money to maintain that. And that spending money to maintain something is, is also a good investment long term. And that, that uh, you're, the, the thing that you bought is often lasts longer or it's more durable or there's lower maintenance costs in the long run or it, it holds its value better. And so kind of Xavier, going back to what you're talking about, about planning, is you also have to plan to maintain things. And that is like, that is boring expenses to me. That is not the exciting stuff right there. Like, so I was talking to my son yesterday who 
um, has a vehicle and we were talking about, you know, when you drive your vehicle, it's deteriorating. And so you have to plan to, to take care of it, to maintain it. Like every time you drive, your tires are getting slightly smaller. So you're going to need to replace those tires at some point, And that's going to be, I don't know, 500 bucks or so, maybe a thousand these days. Are you, are you planning, are you setting aside money for tires that you don't need now, but you'll need some point in the future? That is like boring savings, but essential. That's some of the best advice I've ever received is, is maintain your stuff and save money to maintain it. So Matt, quick question for you. Um, you know, I, and, and I love that one. I love that advice and, and I, I thought about it, but so what you're saying is, if if I'm going to go out and purchase, let's say let's say an appliance, right, a refrigerator, mm-hmm. well, I could go out and I could get a refrigerator for three hundred dollars, but that three hundred dollar refrigerator may run into all kind of different problems, and it may be more expensive to go out there and purchase things for it, or it may only last me three and a half years and I'm buying another one, or yeah. I could go buy the other one, and it may cost you know a thousand dollars, but less maintenance on it. And it may last longer. So if I if I'm hearing you correct, you're saying rather than getting that that two hundred fifty three hundred dollar refrigerator, let's go get the thousand dollar because we're planning for uh, future repairs and possibly purchasing another another one. Am I understanding you correctly in, in what you just said? I think that's part of it. I think you learn that really quickly if you're spending money to maintain your stuff. My my advice was spend money to maintain your stuff, but when you're doing that, you you tend to buy higher quality stuff anyway because the it's it's easier to maintain it's cheaper to maintain so you buy you do buy a higher quality refrigerator because it's it lasts longer the maintenance on it is is better the maintenance process is better and so yeah i I think part of it is what you're talking about which is buy quality items but then you still have to spend money to maintain those items Take care of yeah, your and stuff. Yeah, as you, as you were talking about planning to maintain things that you buy, you know, in the context of a car, you use the example with your son and his car. I'm thinking, you know, think twice about the car that you buy because you're going to have to change those tires one day. And some cars, and this, I'm looking for a car right now, yeah. and I'm thinking, uh, th- how much does it change to... to I'm thinking specifically tires to change those ti- those specific tires because yes. if you get like a car with special tires, it will break you just yes. to change the tires, much less the oil, whatever that costs. So think right. when you're making these intentional purchases on big things, like I'm going to go buy an old house. Yeah, cool. Old houses might come with problems. You know, you might have electrical and yeah. plumbing, and maybe there's termite damage, and and so think about those things it's not just the the initial cost of what you're buying yeah so if you're spending money to maintain your stuff maybe you're building that into the purchase price already so you're thinking if i have thirty thousand dollars for a car maybe i should only buy a twenty five thousand dollar car because i'm going to need that extra margin that five thousand dollars to maintain it rather than like let me go for the the bank approved me for 500000 Let me go oh, for the top of it. Let me go all the way to that's, the top of the approval. And then, and then have the no money to maintain right it. Now. Y'all, if y'all listening and you're looking for a house, do, do, I mean, 
if you go by the maximum amount that you're approved for and like one thing goes wrong, um, you got problems, right? Xavier's yeah. talking about the, uh, the emergency fund. I'm talking about like the oh crap fund, like, oh crap, the AC went out and it's going to cost oh, me no. six, seven, ten thousand $10,000 to fix. And I've got no margin in my budget because I bought all the house or all the car that I can afford and I can't afford anything else. So I got to put it on a credit card. And then now like you're just, it's just, it's just more weight and more burden and more problem. Yeah. And, and then for the relationship. So now picture that couple laying in that house in bed, not sleeping, stressed, irritated with each other. And now that, that purchase is now costing you even more in terms of peace and, and relational security and, and the connection that you have with your spouse, it's now costing a lot. Now you're going to couples there. Yeah. Now you're coming to see me. Well, that you said a lot we could now. afford it. Right. But, but you work all the time. Well, I have to work all the time because I bought this house that you wanted, or I bought this expensive thing that you wanted. Right. And then that just, yeah. that just furthers disconnection. Matt, was it you who said this in terms of relationship? I think it was you. We should always be seeking connection. Was it you? Yeah. Always, always yeah. try to stay connected. And I, I feel, I feel that finances, right? If we're if we're not following good advice and we're not intentional with our good advice, we don't realize how disconnective that that can be relationally. Look at that, Matt's given financial. Yeah, if you want me to comment about yeah, you're, that, well, I'll, you're the, I'll you're comment the couples about counselor. Xavier can c- comment on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I could, but I'd, I'd rather hear Matt. Yeah. Well. Uh, Finances are like any kind of conflict in the relationship. Uh, it's conflict, and conflict is generally disconnective. The problem with financial conflict is it's it's often hard to solve or get out of quickly, and so it lingers. Mm, yeah, it's the kind of conflict that stays with you a while. And if it's like buying a house that you can't afford, it's re- it's repetitively injurious to the relationship. It's repetitively repetitively disconnective. It's like we're living in it. We're thinking about this house. We have to pay the mortgage this month and next month and the month after that. And so it, it's like it, it reminds you of the injury. And that's how the financial, the financial stressors often work is that they're hard to get out of quickly. Hmm. They linger. Yeah. What do you say? Xavier, you're going to say something. No, I, I, I was just going to reiterate that. I mean, it, it's, you know, when you're sitting in that house and, and, and it, it's, you know, that mortgage. And I think that's the other thing people have to think about. If we talk about real estate, it's not just the mortgage on there. It's the insurances. It's the property taxes. All of that begins to build up. And as you're laying in bed and you're thinking about it at the end of the year, when, when things are due, you know, it puts a lot of stress on a relationship. Um, you know, if, if the wife is constantly bringing that conversation up and the husband, you know, he doesn't want to have that conversation because he's working all day and all night long because he's got to bring in the money. Yes, it, it's I could see the relationship um, taking a hit. Yeah, and, Matt, you're talking stuff. about like maintenance, like on, on buying real estate. Part of that maintenance is the cost of insurance. Xavier, you talked about the cost of insurance. The cost of insurance is another mortgage in New Orleans. Uh, it can right. easily become another mortgage. So some... A lot, a lot of people, let me ask you this real quickly. A lot of people are trying to offset the maintenance cost by 
prepaying maintenance in the form of like a warranty or something like that, or a, a you know, let me let me get a home warrant home warranty shield or um, a maintenance warranty on my vehicle that I'm buying. What do you what do y'all think about? Y'all are financial experts and and gurus. What do y'all think about prepaying these maintenance costs that are inevitable? I've 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 tried to uh, to use it and on my hot water heaters. So I have um, the hot water heaters in the house, two of them. Um, it didn't cover either hot water heater. Both of like them the, went out the, within the home shield, the home warranty, right? Um, yeah. You know the 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 explanation that I was given was um, well, there was trash uh, trash in in the hot water heater, which caused it not to work, so it's not covered. Um, so my my that you know my personal experience with them hasn't hasn't been good. I would say, Matt, it depends. I've I've heard stories of people who've had great success with their home warranties or warranties in general, um, and then obviously Xavier's had a poor experience mm-hmm. with with the home warranty. I was told once with warranties that if you can't afford to replace the item or to to service it or do the work, then you should buy a warranty because a warranty is nothing more than insurance. That's all it is. It's just it's just a fancy word for for insurance. Mm-hmm. It's like right. I was at mm-hmm. um, Walmart and I bought this little instant rice cooker, and she's like, "Would you like to buy the war? It's a thirty dollar rice cooker. Like, do you want to buy the warranty for like four dollars?" Yeah. And I look at her. I'm like, "No, I'm good." I'm thinking a warranty for four dollars. Imagine if you buy the yeah. warranties on everything. Obviously, it's a rice cooker. I can afford to replace a rice cooker, so I didn't buy it. So I think I think anytime you're faced with the decision to buy a warranty or insurance on something, you have to you have to stop and and be a little bit intentional about it and ask yourself, okay, if if the water heater goes out, how much will it cost? Can I cash flow that or can I save for that? And if I can, well, then I'm buying a warranty or an insurance that I could be saving that money. Um, but that's only specific to this one problem. Mm-hmm. Chances are everything's not going to break, so I would rather save and pay for certain things. Uh, I could see like you're buying a car. Be, yeah, go ahead. Would that be your, that's going to be your oh crap account. It's your oh crap yeah. account. Yeah. It's my oh crap account because something's right. going to, something yeah. will inevitably break and I'm not smart enough to guess which one it is. So I don't know what to buy the warranty on. Now you can look at cars and say, Hey, if I've got a yeah. car and my car breaks down and I won't have another car and my car is important for me because I have to use it to get to work and I don't have enough money saved up to, you know, to, to fix my car, then a warranty might make sense. It might make sense to buy a little bit less of an expensive car and get a warranty on it. Um, but, but so the, the answer is, mm-hmm. man, it really depends. Everyone's situation is, is pretty unique to them. But I would say as a general rule of thumb, if you can afford to yeah. replace an item or pay for the cost of repair, then the warranty, the only people making money on that are the, the warranty company or the insurance company backing it. Yeah, so my, the advice that I got was you're going to have to spend money to maintain your stuff. And implicit in that advice is that you're going to have to save money to maintain the stuff. You're going to have to have an oh crap account. And if you don't, you're going to need to buy all these warranties. But if you, you and, and they might be warranted in some cases, it sounds like from you two, but, but you're going to have to pay the maintenance one way or the other, either up front in the warranty cost or, uh, you know, at the time when you actually need to, to buy it. Yeah, as, as we're wrapping it. up here, which I'm, I'm 
thinking about kind of like on the last show about the worst financial advice, the common thread was was debt. It's somehow related to debt. And in this episode, the best financial advice is the common thread is save. Save. And save, is that the opposite of debt? I, I guess maybe it is. So if you save, it's the opposite of debt. But with savings is there's an intentionality behind saving that I think is important. Yeah. There's a mindset that drives us, that motivates us to save. And one of the things I always like to say is savings should be purposeful and that once we attach a purpose to our money, like what am I saving for? It becomes a lot easier to save for that. So if I'm saving for generational wealth, man, I can see images, Xavier, of kids having kids and them having an opportunity because of something that I, because of a decision I made today. And that motivates me to take that decision. Mm -hmm. I can see Matt buying, you know, looking at cars and thinking, man, do I want the, the trimmed out model or do I want to go a model below that's going to save me $6,000 because maybe I do want, want the warranty because man, cars stress me out already. I'm not a car guy. And if some, something breaks, I just want to drive it to the dealership and have them deal with it. So um, there's some intentionality in saying, I'm going to spend less money on the car, more money on the warranty, because it's going to give me a peace of mind. Intentionality. Mm. Um, savings and intentionality. So that's that's good stuff. Any Matt, what are uh, any thoughts? Any thoughts, closing thoughts on this? Yeah, I have a closing thought. You, you've given me lots of great advice over the years, and I want to acknowledge that. You one time were explaining compound interest to my kids and they got so in, in enchanted by the notion of compounding interest that they came home and said, let's set up some, some retirement accounts. So my kids like younger than 10 years old started a retirement account where they were putting a two dollars, you know, $2 of their allowance into their retirement account so that they can see that the, the compounding interest year after year after year, and and once in a while, they don't think about it often, but once in a while they'll come in and they say, Dad, how much money is in my account? And you can just, you can see their eyes light up when you, when they look and they see, wow, there's that much, that much? I didn't even notice. I didn't even miss it. And so, you know, you've, you've invested in my kids future and potentially their kids future by giving them some good advice early on and they've been diligent and putting a couple of dollars here and there away for it. But I mean, that could all go to their kids one day. Who knows? That's like generational wealth in and of itself, uh, based on some advice that you've been given. And so Dude, I, your kids owe me a snowball. I, I love that. Your kids owe me a snowball. <clears throat> they should buy, buy you a snowball. They can't access the money until they're 65. So, um, you're going to have to, I hope, hopefully you'll be around then. Maybe they can give. Maybe they could buy like a memorial snowball in your honor, one day, for my grandkids. <laughs> but I, I appreciate the the investment that you've made in in the life of my kids and and potentially their kids, with just some good sound advice to save, be intentional, and take advantage of compounding interest. Yeah, I think we should leave. I think we should always like when our in our in all of our relationships. I think that we should always strive to leave people better off than when we first met them. Even if it's someone that we don't like, I think we should try to like them, try to like them and leave them better off than when we first met them. I don't have to interact with them ever again, but can I give them something 
that's going to better their life. I like your kids and I'll interact with your kids, even if they don't buy me a snowball. Thanks. Xavier, you have any closing thoughts? I, I think um, what Matt just left off was uh, with is, is powerful. You know, um, we need to teach our children uh, to save. Uh, we need to teach our, our children that as they save, uh, teach them what compound interest is. Because what they're putting away today, whether it's $2 or $5 today, here's what it could potentially grow to when they're 60 or 65 years old. Um, and, and that's going to be how we start that genera- generational uh, wealth uh, is by teaching our children at an early age. Um, so I, I think that's powerful. Coincidentally, I am about to publish a blog on compounding interest. I'll be sure to drop that link in the, um, in the show notes. Xavier, you got really, really close to um, an invitation to be a permanent host. You have to work a little bit harder to earn that position, but I think you did good enough to maybe have you back. <laughs> he could be a sub. A, a sub. We need a, a sub. A designated. <laughs> designated hitter. A designated co-host. Man, that's good. But um, well, I'm, I'm going to work on it. So, you know, I'll, I'll build that so that I don't come that close. Yeah. Yeah. So, so next time. So Xavier, Xavier is a colleague of mine. We work very closely together. So if you're a, a client of mine and you haven't met Xavier yet, you'll probably meet him or hear from him at some point in the near future. Look, um, having secure and healthy finances and healthy relationships, I don't, leave, I don't leave relationships out on this financial episode, takes intention. And this idea of saving is very intentional. And I think when we follow the the good advice that we have all gotten in some way, shape, or form about saving, it is definitely an investment in our relationships. Dr. Matt Morris maintains an active private practice for couples and families in the greater New Orleans area. To learn more about his work, visit drmattmorris.com. Eric Garcia can be found online at plan-wisely.com. His branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance services offered through Garcia Financial Group, LLC. Entities listed are not affiliated. 